Did you know that 9 out of 10 UK shoppers will abandon a store using US dollars? I did not know that. Did you also know if someone leaves your store to use a currency converter, two out of three won't return? Well, that doesn't sound good. Not showing prices in customers' local currency might be one of the biggest contributors to your bounce rate. What do I do? If you ship internationally, a multi-currency app is an absolute must. Okay, which one should I get? Well, the folks at Bold make the best multi-currency app out there. What's so great about it? It auto-detects where your customers are shopping from and then shows them their correct local currency so you don't lose them in the first second that they load the site. How? It syncs in real time with a currency database, so it's always up to date. Can I adjust those rates? If you set it to sync real-time rates but want to pad that conversion by a few percent to net a little extra for yourself, you could do that too. What else can it do? It optionally supports vanity pricing, so if you wanted all your prices to end in, say, 99 cents, it could do that for you as well. Sold. How do I get it? Right now, Bold is offering listeners of the unofficial Shopify podcast their Bold multi-currency app free for two months. Just go to curdelster.com slash bold to install it and claim your exclusive offer. That's curdelster.com slash bold. What's the number one customer support request you get? I bet it's, hey, where's my order? My friends at Ventov, makers of SEO Meta Manager, have a solution for this. It's called Order Lookup. And it lets customers look up their orders, right, good name, with either their email or order number, reducing the order inquiries you get in your inbox. We use it on our own high-volume Shopify Plus client stores like Hoonigan and Yvonne Stells to provide real-time order info to customers with a fully customizable order lookup page so you can keep that thing on brand. And hey, if you're a dropshipper, it even works with ePacket. You can get a seven-day free trial when you search order lookup in the App Store. Today on the Unofficial Shopify Podcast, we are going to discuss Black Friday, Cyber Monday 2021. Actually, this is one of several episodes in which we discuss this. But joining me today is Kurt Bullock, founder of e-commerce marketing agency, The Produce Department, and a strategic partner of EtherCycle, our agency, for many years. I'm your host, Kurt Elster. Tech nasty. And, wow, last year, last year we didn't know what was going to happen. And then uh, I think I think a lot of people had a really strong, strong year last year, despite a certain pandemic's best efforts. And this year is... No less strange, but predictions are uh, pretty optimistic. So we're going to dive into it through the eyes of a of prepared or through the eyes of a marketer with the goal of preparedness. And so we're going to assess uh, what's going on, uh, take a data driven approach here. Everybody loves data driven, and walk through some of our. Our issues and, and what we could do to, to mitigate it and put ourselves in the best possible position to succeed. Mr. Bullock, thank you for joining us. Happy to be here. So I I hear 2021 uh, Q4 is going to be weird. Yeah, you could call it that. <laughs> All right, so let's start with the good news. So Deloitte, which is this monster consulting uh, analysis firm, says holiday retail sales likely to increase 7 and 9% in 2021. And they're not the only ones. A whole bunch of analysts are predicting an increase in retail sales and 
an increase in e-commerce sales. So an even bigger one. So projected e-com sales grow 11 to 15% year over year. And the reason is more disposable income overall, right? Right. And that's over last year, which was pretty insane anyway. Yeah, last year was very successful. Yeah. I think the, the big thing, the big difference I'm seeing now is uh, big box retailers have either started their holiday sales in October, like as in, I think Amazon started October 1. Uh, Target announced it. Like everyone else is either going to start sales early or are announcing them already. Right. And, uh, you know, similar to last year, most of the big box retailers are not going to be open on Thanksgiving. So all that traffic and sort of demand is going to be pushed through e-commerce, right? And ads and everything that goes along with that. And last year, the big, the big troublemaker was Shippagidden, you know, that last mile delivery, just getting the stuff to people's doors. And if you didn't order early, you had a problem. Now we have the same problem. Uh, you know, I think we may run into ship those last mile delivery issues again, but that's not what people are talking about. They're talking about these supply chain issues in that you have to order early. And this has been national news. So uh, you've got a stat you provided me. You said Google survey... Google has a survey showing two-thirds of respondents plan to shop early to avoid items being out of stock. So this year's hot headline is in stock ready to ship. Exactly. How do you prepare for that? Do you run disc? What do you do? All right. Well, so even beyond that, right, there's just let's introduce a little bit of the Facebook stuff that we're all dealing with because a lot of the way that we're going to approach this year, at least as sort of an you know, an ads operator, the person who's like trying to determine is this working or not, um, is going to be influenced by all the iOS stuff that we have, you know, been introduced to this year. So not to get mired down in this stuff, but as you all know, people have opted out of tracking, uh, retargeting audiences are shrinking. Um, so, and you know, and that's been our, our primary tactic for Black Friday, uh, you know, for all these years past is, you know, hammer retargeting. And so we're still going to need to do that, but we need to exp expand beyond that. Uh, attribution windows have changed. So when you're comparing year over year stats, things are going to look different. Uh, last year, we had full 28 days of attribution. So uh, if you look at last year's numbers, while you're running your sale this year, they're going to look different just for the simple fact that this year we're on seven day attribution. We don't have that full window to look at things. So we need to adjust the way that we're looking at things. And then on top of all that, uh, you know, Facebook recently came out with a uh, uh, press release officially confirming that they've been underreporting purchases, which is not news to anybody who's been paying attention to uh, their Facebook campaigns. But, uh, you know, so we've got that to deal with. And then finally, reporting is just, uh, you know, because people have opted out and because of the restrictions Apple's put on everything, reporting is now delayed and it's also modeled. So, uh, you know, you can't just refresh your ad account all day to see how things are working. Not in the way you could before. We need to look what at some other things. What do you mean by things. modeled? Yeah, so <laughs> it's a bit of a black box, uh, the way that this is working. But Facebook, in the absence of having this direct data come back from Apple about, uh, you know, Kurt Bullock just made a purchase of this product and it was this price uh, and it came from this ad. Now Facebook is getting aggregated data 
And so we don't know specifically that it was Kurt Bullock that purchased. Uh, we just know that it was an individual, right? We can't even uh, necessarily retarget that person if this is an opted out person, right? We just get that purchase event that comes through. We don't even know what the exact purchase amount was necessarily. Facebook is, they're putting it into sort of four cat, four what, tiers. Uh, you know, let's just say it's zero to 25, 26 to 50, et cetera, right? And they're gonna say it was from, you know, A, B, C, or D range. And so they're just, they're making a ton of estimates here to kind of give us a picture of what's going on. Uh, so that's a bit of Is what- Is it reliable? They, are they are these guys faking it? Are they cooking uh, <laughs> the books here with these numbers? I think that we're still not fully attributed yet still, but it's not reliable. Um, so it's unreliable in the sense that we're not seeing all our purchases come through. And sometimes purchases do come through that A, either didn't happen because let's say that the purchase you know, value, the amount of the purchase isn't an actual amount that's available on your store. Facebook has modeled that amount. So you know that that's just Facebook kind of filling in the blanks. And then also things are coming through late. So you see a purchase come through from this morning for a thousand bucks and you say there was no thousand dollar purchase today well it could have been any time in the last three days or more because now the the reporting is coming through delayed so it's really hard to get a good picture of how accurate things are um so we you know we're sort of triangulating our data here looking at other things now are but if i'm looking at my historical data like that's still going to be accurate and unchanged if i look at last year's data so what you'll see last year, yes, the data will be unchanged except for it will now be seven day uh, data. Well, it, it depends. What you'll have to do, you can actually still get, so that's exactly right. You can still get your, your last year's data, but you'll need to sort by uh, this attribution window because Facebook doesn't like to mix seven day data and 28 day data. So anyhow, there's, there's sort of that reporting issue, but yes, last year's data, you can still use that. We just can't compare it directly to this year's data. Okay. And uh, well, the, the the metric I see people using now, since they can't look at, or since we're using uh, quote unquote modeled attribution data, which I'm I'm highly skeptical of, hence the scare quotes there, um, are using MER, which is uh, marketing efficiency, right? I forgot what the R is. Marketing ratio. efficiency ratio. Thank you. And. So we take our, our marketing spend divided by revenue, and what's that number? Exactly. Is that, are you using MER? We're using MER for all of our clients now. Um, it's an interesting number, though, because you can, I mean, it's influenced by how much you spend, right? So your store is already getting sales from, let's say, organic traffic, from email, that sort of thing, right? Uh, if you spend only $1 uh, on, your, on your ad traffic, your MER is going to look fantastic, right? It's going to be huge. Uh, and if you spend a whole bunch, then it's going to come down. So you need to sort of establish a baseline with normal levels of spend to see where it comes in at normally. Um, there's been stats recently that have said, hey, uh, MER data has gone down recently or uh, uh, or MER. There's other people who are saying MER is going up. I think that it's a combination of the way that you slice the data. You know, MER is going up for many ad accounts and that's because they've pulled back their spend because of uncertainty they can't really see as well what's happening the reporting's not as clear so many brands have pulled back which in the scheme of things actually raises their mer um, so 
it's an interesting number to look at. But really what you need to do is just look at, get some baselines with normal levels of spend, and then it becomes a useful number. So you need to do a little bit of looking back in the past. Okay. When I look at it in the past, like what am I looking for? Walk me, can you walk me through a, a working example? Yeah. So there's different ranges uh, that are considered healthy. Um, it's going to be totally dependent on your business and your margins. But let's just say very generally, um, most stores, if they're hitting a five MER, that's going to be, that's usually healthy. That's usually within target. For every dollar you spend, you're bringing in $5 of revenue at, you know, with an MER of five. Um, so, so that's typically a, a good starting point, but you'll want to look at your store and see, all right, when things were really, you know, and, and give it a little context, like, hey, last year when things were really going well, we were spending a lot, but we, you know, we were seeing good sales numbers. What did our M MER look like then? Um, and then this year, when things didn't feel like it was going so well at certain points, look and see what that number is so that you can get a, a feel for the range of what your MER looks like in your store. Okay. So like looking at general trying to benchmark it is tougher. It needs to be done relative to your own data. It is. I mean, just super generally, you know, very few stores could survive on an MER of two, for instance. Um, that's that's going to be red flashing lights for almost every store. Three, you know, it works for some stores. Ten is fantastic. If you're at ten or above, that's super exceptional. Um, so just that, those are a few numbers to give you a little bit of context. But yes, super dependent on your own store's margins and numbers. Okay. Um, in reviewing our data, so let's assume that we had advertised last year and we're reviewing that data. Uh, what else are we looking at? Or where do we go from here? Do we look at, do we establish a goal? So, yeah. What step one? Right, what step I'm one? I'm so lost. So, all right. So I, yeah, I like to start with goals and the first decision I'm, I'm making is just, you know, what game am I playing? Because that's going to determine how, you know, how you play the game. Um, two real simple ways to slice it and dice it is just, you know, am I aiming for max profit or am I aiming for as many new customers as possible? What that really, you know, means is sort of, am I, is margin super important to me? Uh, if it is, that's going to affect the way that you spend, right? You're not going to go necessarily balls to the wall uh, and, and just spend as much as you can in lieu of of uh, sort of getting those profits and margins. Some brands are doing that though. They're just trying to acquire customers. I think most of this audience is going to care about max profit, so that's going to be the lens that will you know approach this conversation through. I think. I like aiming for max profit. That sounds good to me. Yep. Okay. So the way that I'm doing this with clients is reviewing not just last year's data because year over year compared to last year is, is hard. Last year was an anomaly. Um, this year has been strange as well, but what I'm doing is going back also to 2019 and comparing those numbers. And, you know, another thing that you'll want to just another data point to add is just any sales that you've run this year, right? That could sort of tell you, Hey, how does sales go for me this year? What do my numbers look like? Given all these things that we just talked about with iOS 14, right? Um, and the visibility that'll give you an idea of, of how things will work in your ad account, what numbers will look like, how long it will take for you to see those numbers, that sort of thing. And then look at 2019 and 2020, and you may end up targeting something in between you know, 2019 and 2020. It depends on how your store's done this year. If you're still on pace to, you know, beat last year's uh, goals, hooray, that's fantastic. 
many stores won't be. And so it would be great to reference maybe a more normal year like 2019, um, if that makes sense. It does. Okay. So what I'm looking at, we talked about, you know, myrrh and, and, uh, and that sort of thing. Um, the other thing, and this is another sort of technical point, and the, you know, I'll, I'll give you some, I guess, the reason we care about it uh, after I explain it very quickly, but that's delayed attribution. So delayed attribution, last year we had that full 28 days. This year we don't, so we won't be able to even measure it the same way this year, but last year we could. So I would suggest checking that out if you can. If you can't, I will give you some a, sort of a generality here about all of that, but your delayed attribution is the 28 day attribution. So your full attribution divided by your one day attribution. So let's say, uh, you know, we'll put it right in context here. When we care about it is really in those four weeks leading up to when you launch your Black Friday uh, or holiday promotion. So what you'll see is that during those weeks, everybody's sort of got their finger on the pause button in terms of their, you know, making their purchases, but they are shopping for products, um, uh, window shopping, we'll say, right? They're, they're adding products to their list, uh, their holiday list. Um, so when we look at the data and, and you have to, you know, pull this out in a spreadsheet and, and use super metrics to actually get it. So it may not be easy to get to, but what you'll see is that Hold Those, on, what the heck is Supermetrics? So Supermetrics is a service that pulls API, like a data from the Facebook API and puts it into a spreadsheet for you, into Google Sheets. So um, it's real popular with sort of media buyers, uh, but yeah, normal store owners uh, not doing their own media buying will probably not be using Supermetrics. So I'll just give you an industry average number here for this. Um, okay. So... 1.5 is a real good sort of average. I'm looking at a specific ad account here. The uh, it's at 2.7 for this one ad account. So that ranges, right? It, it, 1.5 is going to be really um, what conservative. Um, but what that means is that if you're getting uh, you know a 1x return on ad spend in those weeks up to uh, to Black Friday, you can multiply that number by 1.5 and that might be your eventual attribution on, on that data. So those people, what that really means is those people are, many of them are going to buy. And as I mentioned, you know, I'm looking at an ad account right now where it was at 2.7, another one where it's at 1.8. So sometimes 100% increases in that number. But the idea is you don't want to pull back your spend too much in those weeks leading up to Black Friday. That's actually a pretty critical time. Um, the cost of traffic is still cheap and uh, and you're getting on people's Christmas shopping lists and we see in the data that those people do convert over the holidays. So that's, that's one thing to keep in mind uh, as you are sort of in the thick of it, right? So once we know historically what worked, the next step then is, okay, planning this year's offers or promotions, but we can still look at our historical data to figure out what worked uh, promo, creative-wise, et cetera. If I have that that past data, talk me through analyzing it to determine effective promos. Okay. So the the reason that we wanted to get that other data, you know, with the delayed attribution and, and, and MER is just so that you can make good decisions when you're in the middle of all this. So that's why you want the, that data. Um, but the other things that you are going to want to look at is just the, you know, the nuts and bolts of which 
ads worked last year? Like, what was the promotion? Was it a new product that we launched? Um, you know, what essentially what worked well looking across your your creative and your audiences at your timing? You know, were the first five days of your promotion flat because uh, you started way too early uh, or whatever the case may be? But you, know, you sort of need to make sense of that, create a narrative around how did this go for us last year? What's our biggest opportunity moving forward this year? So, you know, looking at some of our clients' ad accounts, some of the the most successful were those that had sort of an unfolding offer over the course of um, of the promotion, right? I like the sound of that. What is it? Yeah, so it's sort of like shining a flashlight on different parts of your offer. So um, let's say that you, you know, for instance, you, you want to make sure that it's not the same the whole time. Even if your offer is the same, if it's just a 20% discount, you want to make sure that maybe you're focusing on a specific collection at one point or um, a specific sort of persona. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. I've got some examples under the plan your creative uh, section here. But you want to make sure that it's not the static ad that you run for two weeks. That's, that's what I would do if I was trying to to sort of minimize my returns to just running one <laughs> ad over the, over the course of that whole period. Like, all right, here's how to screw it up. Get one image ad and then just run that for two weeks and that's it. Right, exactly. Okay, so that's what I don't want to do. Exactly. You don't you don't want to do that. So, so when we're talking about our offer specifically, though, I think one of the most important parts is just profit. And you need to do the, the work. I'll, you know, I'll link to a margin calculation worksheet so we don't need to go over that on this call, uh, but make sure that there's that there's profit in what you're doing and that you're not driving yourself into the red. So that's one of the first things that you need to figure out. Um, and then, you know, I, I like to do it, like I said, in a spreadsheet so I can try out like, what does it look like if I do a BOGO offer? Uh, what does it look like if I just do a site-wide offer or, um, you know, spend over X and get Y free? Model those out, see where the highest margin is for for you while simultaneously having sort of the most uh what it looks the most valuable to your customer right there's high perceived value in your offer yeah so that has sort of, to be well uh do, do you have any, a favorite example well i mean i think that like what i've seen work really well is just limited run launches or new product launches. Those you really don't need to give much away on uh, at all. Um, you price it what you want essentially because it's brand new and it's going away. Um, so you can bake as much margin into it as you like really, but those those do really well. Um, as far as There's examples, yeah, go Novelty ahead. to it, I think is the magic. And then there you, combine you, go. Novel, you combine it with scarcity. And that's the stuff that sells really well. You're right, so it's like new product launches or new free gift with purchase. And like the brilliance of the free gift with purchase is the item itself really is quite inexpensive. It's just that it's the only way to get it is is uh, FGWP. Yep, yep. And, and you know, buy buy two get the third one free. I mean, that's that also is really high margin offer there. If you're selling two full margin products so that you can give the third one away, really all you're you know losing is sort of the cost of goods on that third item. So, or view you could also view it as like. Um, 30, buy th any three items, get 33% off. There you go. 
in my head, that's what I always do when I see those offers. But I know most people don't. They see it as like, well, you know, if I'm already buying one shirt, I may as well buy a second shirt because then I get a third shirt free. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you know, I'm losing money by not spending the more money is what right. our, our brain foolishly tells us. And during the holidays, you're looking for gifts for other people. So it's like, well, I could actually use that third shirt for my brother or whatever the case might be. So, Oh, yeah, that's a good point. You're right. Yeah, so it, it becomes, especially at the holidays, it becomes easy to justify. So make, you know, the, the takeaway in planning your offers is making sure that there's, it's going to be profitable for you and you're not driving yourself into the red. Uh, so get creative with the offers there. The next thing is planning your creative. So how are you going to communicate that offer? Um, videos do really well. Um, so for videos, I think the game that you're playing is just one of attention. It's that, you know, thumb stop ratio, which if, uh, you don't have this, uh, already created in your ad account, you can create a custom metric where in your Facebook ad account, where you'll take three second video views divided by impressions. And that's, that's, that'll give you the, what they call the thumb stop ratio. Really it's out of all the people that saw your ad, how many paused long enough to sort of trigger that three second video view? How many paused for three seconds uh, or longer? Does Facebook give you the thumb stop ratio or I got to do this math myself? You got to put, you got to create it yourself in, but there is, you just do it one time. You can add a call, a new column to your reporting and it's, it's called a custom metric. And uh, so you can just put in that simple formula, three second video views divided by impressions, save it and add it to your columns and it'll be there, you know, henceforth. And you want to use it year round, in my opinion. This isn't just a Black Friday sort of uh, metric you want to be looking at. I love this idea because I've heard you and others for, at this point, years talk about thumb stoppers. Like the number one thing your PPC ad has to do is just get the person to quit scrolling. If if we miss that, it doesn't. The rest doesn't matter, right? They have yeah. to stop long enough to consume the ad for you to have any chance of the the rest of it working out. No, absolutely. Okay, I like that metric, uh, but there's still. You know, it's easy to say do video. That ignores like actually producing a video is not the is not the most intuitive or easy thing for most people. Um, but these also don't have to be long videos, and we all have access to camera phones that have extraordinary quality. So it's like we have the tools out there. Everyone does at this point. Um, making the video is, is a little tougher, especially when we consider the variety of ratios that Facebook messes with and formats. So walk me through that. Yeah, I mean, so I, I like you know Tim Ferriss. He says, what would this look like if it were easy? Right. And so, and that's probably a question you need to ask me multiple times during this uh, interview because I have a tendency <laughs> to, but so what would this look like if it were easy? If it were easy, just focus on square. That's going to be the primary format for you to focus on because Facebook can place it across to anything. Uh, it can go on Facebook and Instagram. It can even go on Instagram stories. Uh, after that, then I would add, you know, as your secondary Instagram stories, unless you find that you're super Instagram heavy and you've seen a lot with Instagram stories, then prioritize it. But I would say for everybody, Square is going to be what you should start with. Then okay. you can do Instagram stories and, and other things like that. Um, Interesting. So I'm just going to start with the new the Square news feed because that's going to work uh, on a variety of devices and be more straightforward. Right. Yep. Another thing to keep in mind, you know, most people consume these videos with the sound off. Um, so make sure that you design for sound off. A lot of times that looks like having little captions at the bottom to walk people through either what you're saying if you're there on camera 
or just to talk them through the offer. So yeah, so it's got yeah. it has to make sense with subtitles or headlines. You got to watch it muted because LA, if your phone's unmuted, you're probably a monster. There you go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So so you'll so focus on Square and think about what you can do in those first three seconds to capture attention and. There's a lot of techniques. Some of them are, are, are sort of gimmicky even, but uh, you know, like boomerangs where the video plays forwards and backwards. Um, you can take a, a real short snippet of you with your product, uh, sort of just uh, you know, doing anything with it. If it's, if it's a hat, taking it on and off your head, you know, just whatever it might be that's gonna stop somebody uh, from scrolling. You can play the, the whole clip, the first three seconds, just in reverse, um, where it looks like you know, an object is like, being pulled into your hand. Um, start with uh, you know a question. Really, you don't want to get super. What uh, you want it to be really clear what's happening during the holidays, right? So, so don't be clever. Yeah, you don't want to be too clever, um, but you do want to make sure that they stop. It, you know, one thing I think that people will scroll past is just I don't know. It it has to. It, the more native it can look, the better, right? So by native, you mean it can't look, if it looks too polished, if it looks like a commercial ad from TV stuck into my Facebook newsfeed, I will just snap judgment, slide past it knowing it's an ad versus if it looks like content from my friends or it's in some way novel and different, uh, you know, like something that's, you know, opens with these very modern transitions, uh, that's the thing that's going to have that higher thumb stop ratio. Exactly. Okay. Um, you know, one easy way to make that happen is to, um, you know, create the video and then bring it into Instagram stories and use the actual text tools in Instagram stories so that you're using, it'll look like an Instagram story post because you created it in Instagram stories. You're using those fonts, those colors, uh, and all of that. You can also do it in, you know, Photoshop or, or things like that, but that's an easy way to do it. And then you just save it, export it, and then bring it into your ad account. But um, having sort of the white bubble with black text, that's just an easy way to make it look native because um, that's that's really common. Okay. Yeah. And you could even, I've seen, you could buy like the, um, on Envato Marketplace, you could buy um, like graphic packs for uh, edit, edit, your editing software like Adobe Premiere that let you make native looking Instagram videos like story videos just you know in your very expensive video editing software exactly yep that's that's how our designers do it um one other thing also just as i look over my notes this worked really well for us last year that was doing instagram story carousels you've probably seen those but it's an ad and with just a regular instagram story ad you tap on it and and you're gone right the person taps on it they skip you completely if you do a carousel they tap on it it takes them to the next frame they tap on it it takes them to the next frame so you have three opportunities to get your message across and to stop them so you know if you have the bandwidth instagram story carousels can work really well and that what that looks like specifically is it's you know the 9 by 16 format and they can only be 15 seconds in length each of them so make three but 15 I can string second videos. multiple together. Exactly. Make it so that if you play them all in series, it looks like one continuous video. Um, right. That's the easiest way to do it. 
but yeah, if they tap, it's going to jump 15 seconds ahead into the video. So a lot of times that's when I have different transitions happening is at that 15 second mark. Uh, somebody might tap on the first one, they get it to the second one. It still makes sense. They can still see what's happening. So, and I think that's the other thing is like, I had, I need to be able to look at it and within one second, know what the heck I'm looking at, or at least know enough to want to know more. Like that's the, that's the litmus test here for all of this creative. Yep. Yep. I think you're right. Yes. So, so, you know, we're talking here about the specific formats of your creative and, and things to keep in mind here too. Uh, Deloitte, you know, we've already referred to them. They did a, a holiday customer survey and came up with these different personas of people that buy. So oh, I love they, customer personas. Yeah, they're, they're kind of hilarious. Uh, you know, we have Francesca, the festive shopper. Uh, these are their names. Um, so they, they say that 27% of people are, you know, would be categorized this way. Average spend over the holidays is 1600 bucks, but I think the description is the most useful thing. So it says these shoppers are all about buying gifts for others, keeping up with conventional shopping routines. They outspend everybody else. This is the person that really celebrates gift buying, right? It's fun for them. It's not a stressor. Uh, it, it's, they get to go out and, and buy things for, for people that they care about. These guys spend the most. Um, and so, so that's one persona to keep in mind as opposed to someone, you know, I'm like that in some cases, but a lot of times I'm more like Eddie, the efficient shopper, where I'm, you know, trying to check people off the list and, and kind of get through this process. This, you know, what I've found is that to make it easy for sort of the efficiency shoppers, you want to put as, make the purchasing process as simple as possible. So if I'm buying stuff, my wife has sent me a link to uh, this bag or whatever it might be. If I get there and there's a million options, I really don't know what to select. That's going to be a big road bump for me. If you make it simple by either creating bundles, hey, this is what you should be buying to make this work. These three items. Um, sort of do the thinking for them in advance. That's going to go a long way for these giftable products where you have people that aren't the the end consumers trying to make these purchasing decisions. I think that makes a lot of sense because I've, you know, thinking about it, um, this is the one time a year where people are often buying for someone else. So you can no longer make assumptions necessarily about what the potential customer does or doesn't know. So having an easy path, especially for a product that has multiple options, be it like, you know, pick one of three, or you're like, you need this thing plus these accessories, whatever you could do to simplify that process or preempt those questions and objections, just an easy conversion rate optimization uh, or average order value win. Yep. Yep. Uh, and also the way that you speak to them in your ads could be different, right? Um, so for for this person, you might emphasize the fact that, hey, we've made it really easy to buy for, you know, these people in your life. Emphasize, you know, this is going to be a simplified process. We've done the thinking for you. Um, as opposed to, uh, you know, there were four four different profiles. There's like the conscious shopper. Um, you know, this is where, it, you know, says they're paying especially for socially responsible products, right? So the emphasis for that person is going to be different. Um, and then finally, the last one is the deal seeker. So these people basically enjoy getting the deal. That's, you know, that's the, that's the dopamine hit for them there. Um, I think they're the, the easiest to advertise for, um, 
but that's they, what we assume most people are. And yeah. This Deloitte thing is telling us, hey, during the holidays, you have different kinds of people coming to the site with different intents and different goals. Right. And you can optimize for that. Exactly. And, you know, Deloitte, you know, they're saying that this would account for 16% of holiday shoppers, these deal seekers. I think the, the deal matters to, you know, many of these different profiles, but... Uh, but that's exactly right. I think that you can get extra mileage out of your promotions if you take some time to think about these different shoppers and how they, you know, which one sort of fits your customers too. Who should you be focusing on here as you sort of approach your first sort of you know, version of creative? I like that in your example, your wife sends you a link to a purse and you're baffled by it. Like, what could this mean? <laughs> You know, this is a re I'm pulling from actual uh, historical events here. It's a bag, Kurt here. Bullock. All right. Well, there's different colors on the inside of these bags now. And don't oh, you know what she likes? I don't always know. No, oh, no. <laughs> All right, I'm shopping for your wife this year. You know what's happened is I've purchased the wrong things before, and so oh, that is no. that's really what now I now I overly concern myself, right? Yeah, you you know you being the disappointing someone with your gift that's like the worst possible outcome and feeling uh, right yep yeah oh no i got the wrong thing uh, <laughs> oh no it's fine i'll return it and exchange it for something it's like oh fail brutal <laughs> how can you increase your shopify sales by 10 to 15 percent overnight well you could make a deal with the devil can you believe it all i had to do was give him my soul <laughs> or you could just use Zipify one-click upsell, created by the owner of a $100 million e-commerce store entrusted by over 8,200 Shopify merchants. One-click upsell helps you boost your average order value with targeted upsells and cross-sells. Plus, it's got mobile-optimized offer pages that drive sky-high conversions and built-in split testing for maximizing your results. It's no wonder one-click upsell has made its users an extra $162 million in sales. And it only takes a few minutes to install the app, launch your first upsell, and start generating 10 to 15% more revenue overnight. To start your free 30-day trial, go to Zipify.com slash Kurt. That's Z-I-P-I-F-Y dot com slash K-U-R-T. And to get an unadvertised bonus, email help at Zipify.com and ask... For the tech nasty bonus. Tech nasty. So what do we do? All right, so putting all this together, what impact does this have? What changes do we make on our, our website, on our online store? So you are way more qualified to speak about that than me. <laughs> what, what, what I'll say, though, is as it pertains to ads, uh, you know, just make sure that it's really clear that you're having a sale. Relevant details are all there, like when it's ending. If there's any codes, uh, you know, any of this stuff, just make it super clear because people aren't going to go back to the ad to look at what you said. If all the details are just in the ad, you'll lose them there. So make sure it's all on the website. Um, and I've seen landing pages can be effective for certain promotions as well, or at least setting up your homepage uh, as if it were a landing page in the sense that uh, it's very, you know, holiday themed. You tell people what's going on. So landing pages can be effective, but just clarity is really how I think about it from the, sort of the media buyer's perspective. Okay. So the, I think the, the obvious on-site optimizations that uh, will work for a majority of people and that you should consider, certainly the countdown timer, whether that's to the end of the promotion or the shipping cutoff, 
because it, it creates urgency. The moment you add these countdown timers, uh, they are really, they're quite successful in increasing conversion rate. So I like that idea. Uh, it's a great opportunity to bundle things, and there's certainly plenty of apps that will do bundling for you. Uh, your theme may do cross-sells, and you can look in uh, your Shopify analytics, and there's a report uh, under, I think it's on-site behavior, uh, or website behavior, where it'll tell you, it's called online store cart analysis, and that'll tell you, here's everything that people bought together. Uh, and so looking through that and then using your common sense between like, okay, this is what I know they're putting in the cart together. These are the accessories I know that go with this item. You could come up with the bundles pretty sensibly. And hopefully that, you know, that's an easy way to increase average order value. I know people think it's corny to do like the, the holiday theming on a website, but I'm super close to it. I don't think it's corny. I think it is fun and festive. I wish more brands and websites would take themselves a little less seriously and be willing to have more fun because I think it is inherent. The, you know, that, that holiday theming that you see in retail, honest, I, I think it makes people spend more. And yep. so bringing that to your website, I don't see that as corny. I see that as an optimization. It's by, essentially like, hey, you're going to put up holiday decor. All right? I want some snowflakes coming down this website. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, do it do it within reason. Um, and certainly the landing page. Like, I send me to a page, and it could just be a special collection page in which the title is the promo, you know, like 30% off these items if you order before X. And then the de collection description, just spell out the details of your promotion. And then I, lastly, I think the other uh, quick win is if you are using discount codes, Shopify has a thing called a shareable discount code. So there's breakage with discount codes where I go, I get the email, hey, get 30% uh, off your second shirt when you use this code. Oh, great. And then I place the order. I forgot to put the coupon code in, and now I'm emailing customer support. Hey, I forgot the code. I'm going to cancel my order unless you can refund it. It's a big pain for everybody. Customer doesn't like it. The brand doesn't like it. So the shareable discount code does is when I clicked that link in my email, the coupon code is already applied. And you can have it direct to whatever page on the site. Um, so that's if you're using coupon codes and promoting via email, which a lot of people probably are, these shareable discount codes are a, a smart smart way to go about it. All right, there you go. That's my, my on-site optimization thoughts. Right on. Thank you. Okay. <clears throat> so some quick wins there. All right. If we talk, So the next thing I have on my list you know, now that we've done all this, you know, we've done research, we've sort of placed ourselves uh, in the data, uh, trying to give ourselves a better idea of what to expect, come up with our offers. Finally, you get to the point where you need to build it out in your ad account. Um, so I, you know, a few things to keep in mind there. One, talk to your Facebook rep, make sure that you have a spend limit uh, that is, is appropriate to what you're hoping to spend. I guess, increase your spend limits. I've had clients where they were gonna go all out and uh, Facebook stopped at $5,000 of spend because that was their ceiling there. So make sure that you raise those ceilings. Um, and I would do that as soon as possible because uh, it takes time for your reps to get back to you. Um, the other thing, make sure you build your campaigns early. You're not going to, you know, there's so much traffic in that ad account and everybody, the ad, uh, what, the people at Facebook are, are approving these ads. It's There's going to be a big delay if any other years are any indicator. So make sure you build things out. I would say at least three to four days before your promo starts. Um, in terms of the actual audiences that you're going to be targeting, last year I did some experimenting with more top of funnel audiences. Um, the conventional wisdom has been really to you know, slash top of funnel spending during your promotion. And 
<clears throat> I still think you should adjust it. It should be decreased. But the way I'm going to be approaching it this year is I'm going to start with something closer to 60-40 top of funnel spend and 40% mid and bottom of funnel spend. Um, and, you know, I can adjust from there. I'll see how that's working and, and I can sort of decrease if top of funnel is crashing. But I think that's a great way to get extra scale. And when you look at, at all of these sort of analyses of the CPMs over la like the, you know, last year and the year before during the holidays, it's true CPMs go up, definitely. But one of the reasons the reporting looks like that is that everybody switches all their spending to retargeting, which even in normal times of year has a higher CPM. It's just more expensive traffic. It converts better, it's higher intent, but it's more expensive. Facebook now is <clears throat> wanting us to go more broad with our audiences. And that can include um, some of these lower funnel audiences. Uh, so you can consolidate things. Well, so it's all right. Getting your, your the ad account built out early. Yep. You're building out your ad account. You need to think about, all right, well, how am I going to spend these dollars, right, um, during my promotion? Most of, you know, like last year, a lot of people spent the majority of their dollars just on that mid and bottom of funnel. And by the way, last year and, and in previous years, it was super granulated. You know, you have uh, the seven day add to cart audience and, you know. Um, ah, so middle and bottom of funnel are where in the past these Black Friday ads worked really well because top of funnel is new customers. And traditionally we said, hey, you're not gonna, you're not gonna acquire new customers on Black Friday. Uh, you gotta rely on middle and bottom of funnel, which really meant remarketing. And remarketing is the thing that got hit the hardest by iOS 14's privacy changes. So. What is the, what's that impact here? Or what's the, what's your suggestion? Yeah, so as it comes, you know, to remarketing, as I mentioned, it used to be really granular. People would break out website visitors. This person added to cart seven days ago, or this person visited this specific product page. This year, I wouldn't suggest doing that because Facebook doesn't have enough data uh, about all of these audiences necessarily to even create viable audiences for you. What we've been doing really since iOS 14 launched and, and, and even last year, but especially since then, is consolidated. Even uh, so what that means is instead of having your engagers, video viewers and email lists all in separate ad sets and your website visitors in a separate ad set, sort of separated out in your ad account, I'm putting them all together in most cases or at least into bigger clumps than I used to. And this seems to be, to be working better for me. Um, so that's that's something I'm going to be doing more this year is just consolidating those bottom of funnel and mid funnel audiences in many cases into one campaign. So it's the same, I'm showing the same ads and then combining those two audiences? Yeah. The problem is that the audiences, if you separate them all out, are too small and Facebook can't you know, get a bead on who they're supposed to be targeting. In many cases, they won't even show ads to those audiences because with everybody having opted out uh, you know, or not opted in to tracking on iOS 14, we're seeing reduced audience sizes, right? So if you bunch them all together, you can get up to a sufficiently large audience where you can find some success. If you get too granular, it's gonna be spotty and, and there's a chance that you'll miss out uh, you know, on everything. So. So with the uncertainty, are there other backup plans, safety nets, contingencies that I should put in place? You know, what, how can I mitigate potential risk with my Facebook ads? The way that I like to do it is 
I think about things that could go wrong in my buying in advance and I try and build out my duplicates uh, or, or my contingencies in, in advance. So for instance, bidding. I would suggest that most people listening to this should just bid lowest cost. That's the simplest and that works the best in most cases. I'm going to be running though cost caps also. Uh, last year I saw cost caps work really well. So I want to make sure that I've got that already built out. Facebook's already approved it um, and it's ready to go. I'll launch them both probably at the, at the start and then I can go with whichever one is working. But what you won't be able to do is in the middle of something say, shoot, I, I should have, you know, I this one audience that I was banking on um, is not working. Now I need to build out another campaign to, you know, to target a different audience. That won't work. You'll miss Black Friday if, you know, just waiting for the ad to be approved. Build those out in advance. Um, so what I would suggest is A, in your creative, make sure that you've got multiple creative options there. Uh, you don't want to have just one horse in the race. Uh, have, have multiple ads in, in there running. Um, then when things start, you know, you get some performance data, you can turn ads off that aren't working and that's an easy lever to pull. What's not easy is to then just, you know, create one and have it approved in time. So create multiple variations that you can rely on. Do the same uh, thing with some audiences. Yeah. I think there's a thing that may not be obvious to people who haven't been here before or done this. What is, what is my safe harbor on time for getting an ad approved during the holidays? boy, it's rough to get it approved during, I mean, if they go fast, don't count on them going fast, but if they go fast, it could, it could be 12 hours. Uh, if, if it's speedy, I'd be surprised. What I, what I saw last year is that it, it could take the entire weekend for something to get approved. So make sure that you submit them at least three to four days before the promotion starts. That that way they can all be approved and just sitting there in your ad account. Then you have some options, right? Some multiple pathways to success here. So if they're approved and I have them paused, can I just resume them without going through reapproval? Yep. If you don't okay. make any it's only changes if I to it at all. That's exactly right. Yep. All right. So you can just have them sitting there ready to roll. Um, so just to summarize really quickly, though. I'm spending on top of funnel this year. I would recommend that you do too. Uh, I will be spending on broad. So that's like no targeting um, and my top lookalikes and some interests. That's what I will, that's what I'm giving myself as sort of those contingency scenarios, right? Um, having broad lookalikes and interests is going to cover all my bases there. When I launch them, one of them is going to work better than another. One's not going to work at all. I can turn that one off and, and that will be what I do. So I would start with those in your top of funnel. Um, and then in your mid funnel and bottom of funnel, you're going to basically throw everything in there. I'm going with a lot of 180 day audiences, which is sort of that maximum pixel length that Facebook can see. Um, so that's your website visitors, your engagers, your video viewers, email lists, all those people should be in that mid and bottom of funnel. The last part that you want to build out is your dynamic product ads. P Facebook's having trouble with these recently though. So I, I'm, will be surprised if they work very well for everybody. Um, but that's that's kind of what it's going to look like for me. And so then, you're only putting five percent of your budget into DPA ads, dynamic product ads. Exactly. Yep. They just have not have not been working very well with the reduced data that Facebook has. So. Okay. And then yep. I take middle of funnel and bottom of funnel, bottom of funnel, which is also uh, retargeting. Yep. I'm, but I'm using my just my widest possible retargeting audience, 180 days, six months, and then uh, and I'm combining those two. Of combining these two into one larger single set. 
And then at the top, I'm going to run same ads, but across three different kinds of audience targeting. So broad lookalike, which is lookalike's the thing, the algorithm-driven one we've used in the past that is now uh, struggling and skewing toward like Android and just where it can get data. Um, and then interest-based, which is one of my favorites because when you can get interest-based targeting to work right, it is so satisfying. You're like, yes, I actually know my customers. That's true. And it's one area where you can sort of, you know, in some senses outwork your competition, right? With lookalikes and broads, anybody can do that, but it takes time to actually research your interests and, and put those together. So that's a great yeah, it's way to Yeah, not something you want to just scale. start trying to figure out uh, <laughs> November 1st, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, go with your proven winners. So that's a high level view of what my ad account will look like when I build it out. And then, you know, finally we get to the point where it's time to launch, time to go. Okay, so we're launching. Do we sit back and do we just we pull the trigger and then hide? What do we do? <laughs> so I keep every, I try and schedule everything, the start and stop dates. I when I build out my campaigns, I'll I'll build that out. So I don't need to be thinking about that and worrying if I turned off my Black Friday ad, you know, for Cyber Monday, that kind of thing. So schedule it all out, make it easy on yourself, and then you know, I like to think about this loop. So there's this this guy in the military. His name is John Boyd. I'm not sure if you've heard of him, but he he developed this sort of thinking process, this mental model for uh, like fighter pilots and people that are going, they're engaging in, in dog fights. Um, so it, it was kind of this decision-making system, helping people make rational decisions in chaotic scenarios, high pressure scenarios. And so it's called the OODA loop. Uh, and that stands for observe, orient, decide, and act. So See, that's, I assumed OODA loop was a kind of pasta. It sounds like noodle, yeah, sort of, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so observe, orient, decide, and act. Um, what I'm looking at is one thing. Well, basically, you want to. This just gives you t uh, what forces you to take a moment, step back, think about things, so that you make a rational decision. So, really quickly, observe. Uh, what I'm looking at there is my what they call on-plan platform stats. So, um, are people clicking on my ads? What's my click-through rate? Uh, just all those things that you would expect to see when an ad is running well. You're going to see that first before you see purchases and everything come through because remember, you're going to this data is going to be delayed, um, so you're not going to have those, you know, you're not going to see all those purchases come through right away the, the way that you did last year, let's say. So look at those on-platform stats, see if there's any, you know, red flashing lights in the sense of. Um, you know, something's blowing through my whole budget, but it's not getting uh, any clicks or ads to carts or, or that sort of thing, right? Um, then, as I mentioned before, we're going to be looking at multiple sources of data. What is going to be real time is your Shopify sales data. Um, and that sort of is bundled into that MER term that we were talking about earlier. So I'm going to look at our sales coming through right now. That's going to be the easiest thing to look at. How much am I spending? What are my sales? Is that looking good? Um, and then the other thing that I look at in the moment is Google Analytics UTMs. So um, those are the little terms and identifiers that you can put at the end of the URL in your Facebook ads, or Facebook actually has a little section where you put them. But what that will allow you to see is uh, when you go into the real-time view of Google Analytics, you'll be able to see, are people clicking from my ads? Which audience is it? Uh, you'll get more of that data passed through the UTMs. And so that 
that's that, uh, that'll give you a little bit more of that real-time data that you're missing right now with Facebook. So I, uh, I put a, a query string, so it says like question mark equals at the end of my, my URL to my Shopify store. And that essentially, like I could say in there, you know, campaign e source equals Facebook ad, campaign equals you know, uh, bottom of funnel. And then that way, yeah, I, like I've got this, this privacy thing wrecking up my Facebook data, but that query string data is getting reported to Google Analytics. So I do have some transparency in here, but I got to set it up manually. Yep, exactly. Or like semi-manually, because like, yeah, Facebook has uh, kind of a tool to include it, but I still need to know what I'm doing. Yep, what, and I can include a link uh, in, in my notes here um, that will just give you the string to put in. I put the same one in each one of my ads, and it's got a placeholder that Facebook will fill in for you with the campaign name, the ad name, all of those different things. So it'll make it really easy. Um, so that's observing. So you're looking at things. The next step is orient. So that is essentially trying to place these numbers in context. Uh, and we talked a little bit about this uh, already, but you know, is this what I'm expecting um, in terms of you know, the numbers I should be seeing? Am I getting clicks? Are we getting sales coming through the store? Uh, is there anything that I need to change? Um, so this is where that research from last year can be helpful just so that you know what to expect. The other thing too to think about is just the patterns of these days. Like last year, uh, if I remember correctly, Black Friday peaked between like seven and 9 a.m. Uh, so, you know, that's gonna be something to keep in mind, but Cyber Monday didn't peak until, you know, seven to 9 p.m. So if it's, you know, Monday morning and you're not seeing sales, you want to sort of place yourself, orient yourself to the day and what happens year after year and, you know, know that people will be at work and uh, don't panic early in the morning when you see that on Cyber Monday. It's so hard not to just keep hitting refresh on that dashboard, though. It is. It is. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's basically it's, it's e-commerce Super Bowl. Yep. It's And we've played some big bets. <laughs> no kidding. So, you know that's that's what you'll I, that's sort of it's great to have that narrative from last year in mind right and think about the way that it went and uh, sort of to help calm your nerves um the next step is decide so you essentially you're cre is there you know do i need to turn anything off do i need to change anything do i need to you know adjust my spend up or down um uh, do i need to you know flip on one of my sort of alternate audiences, whatever it might be, but that's where you're gonna sort of create your hypothesis, decide, and then finally you act and you start the process all over again. So this is an easy way to remember, sort of, hey, look at the data, put it in context, come up with a hypothesis, test it, and then start the process over again. We just won't be able to go through this loop as quickly this year as we did last year because of some of the delays. I like this framework for thinking through uh, our Facebook ads, especially day of, as a, a standard operating procedure here for thinking through it. Um, I think that it's helpful because you can get yourself into trouble if you just get too fiddly. You're like, I, it eases my anxiety to be turning knobs and pulling levers. And that's where you could get yourself in trouble. You can be touching too much, you could be fiddling too much. And so having a, a, a framework to be more intentional and thoughtful about it, it's helpful in those high stress moments. Yep, I totally agree. Well, the thing, all right, so the last thing I want to discuss, other than you have um, a, a free resource guide, and we're going long here, but it's important. So tell me, let's break this into timelines. 
into phases or stages because we have the like certainly we're not are, are we advertising the same way in October versus the start of November versus the start of December? I mean, what what is what do we do here? Yep. So I would say sort of the stage one is now until the week of Thanksgiving, focus on your top of funnel audiences, as we talked about with all that delayed attribution stuff, right? They're going to be very valuable. Also during this time, focus on collecting emails. Um, those emails are going to be you know, very valuable to you on the week of your promotion. Um, so that's what I would focus on is getting your prospective customers to already know about you to, 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 they, they want to, you want them to desire your product and then be excited. They're getting a discount, uh, on it on black Friday. Right. Um, if they're yeah, just if learning a discount about it. on a thing I've never heard of and don't care about, I'm like, okay, whatever. And just keep going on with my life. The value is not there in that case. Yeah. But you yeah, give somebody discount a discount on something ceases they want. to be exciting. Exactly. So that's what you're doing in sort of the stage one is just getting the word out. Uh, you're still, you know, it's still business as usual in terms of trying to get sales and everything, but you want to be focusing more on top of funnel and getting those email addresses, sort of warming up these audiences so that it's not their first touch with your brand uh, on Black Friday. So that goes right up until the week, you know, when you launch your promotion essentially. So uh, let's say the week of Thanksgiving. The next stage is going to be the stage that we really went in depth on uh, just now, sort of the, during the promotion. Um, and so we covered that in quite a bit of detail, but that lasts until typically, uh, you know, giving Tuesday, the, t the Tuesday after Cyber Monday. And that's where things can, can shift uh, into sort of that stage three where, uh, you know, that typically goes between giving Tuesday and the last day that you have to ship products. Um, so the emphasis isn't on your sale as much anymore. It's more about, uh, you know, it's oftentimes holiday themed, focused on helping people make these gift giving decisions um, and really pushing a sense of urgency to get things done before your shipping deadline. All of this assumes that we don't run into the, the shipping and problems of last year, which we may not, but it's also likely totally plausible that we do. So I think we have to keep that in mind. And the larger looming issue is, do you have inventory to sell? And then I think in many cases, especially later in November, you may not. You just may not have enough stuff. In the that event, do uh, well. I have some. I have some thoughts. What do you think we should do? Well, I'd love to hear what you you know what you would suggest. But I mean, focusing on gift cards is is one way to do this. Um, we've got clients that are are saying that you know. They anticipate low inventory. They're actually raising prices on some of their products right now. And uh, they are gonna be doing no real discounting during Black Friday. It'll be really just bundling and kind of you know value adds there. They're gonna get maximum margin out of the stock that they have. And some of their competitors are already announcing that uh, they're they're low on stock. So it's, it's gonna be interesting in this way. And, and some people are not going to be discounting uh, the way that they would typically over the holidays. But I think, you know, even if you're saying, even if someone says, hey, we don't have to do discounts, we don't have to do those, you know, it's on sale type promotions, you still have to promote because otherwise you won't be top of mind and your audience has a finite budget to spend. Even like the highest amount, average amount in those Deloitte personas, I think was $1,500. So there's, you know, none of your customers are spending infinity money. 
So you need, and people are spending their budgets earlier. So you need to be there in front of them to be top of mind just for consideration. But you don't necessarily, because of the fear around uh, inventory delays, you don't necessarily have to be discounting. And I love the idea of going the other way and focusing on uh, bundles. You know, and like if it's a bundle, okay, 10% off. Um, because then we're we're increasing average order value and perceived value. Right. And then like, okay, you've got nothing at all to sell. All right, can you source anything locally, you know, from the country you're in where we don't have to bring it over a border? That would be my number one. If I can't do that, all right, and I have no physical good to sell, then number two, can I sell gift cards? If I could sell gift cards, can I sell them in advance for the following year at a discount? I think that's a, so essentially a pre-order presented as a gift card. I think that's a very clever idea. And then of course, uh, there's always the opportunity for using this to build your list. And that's where I think you absolutely wanna have some kind of back in stock notification system set up on your product form. Yeah. Definitely agree. Those are great ideas. Having, uh, yeah, like the back in stock wait list sort of field there when you're out of stock. Yeah, I like those a lot. Clavio uh, has that built in as a feature, but like again, you can't wait last minute to set it up. Um, you know, you got to have you, uh, get someone to set it up, your theme developer or yourself or someone else to set it up for you in advance. You know, if you're already out of stock by the time you're setting it up, you're leaving money on the table. Uh, and then, or there's there's you know, it, other than Clavio, there's plenty of apps that'll do it including one named literally back in stock so lots of lots of choices there right on what are your predictions do you think deloitte's right about these uh these optimistic year-over-year -year increases i'm uh, you know i'm looking i'm looking at this i think that from the sort of consumer end we're good uh i think that there's a lot of demand i think that people do have uh many people have sort of extra income this year and Facebook is starting to get their act together more and more. I mean, they just they just had a huge outage, of course. Uh, but uh, apart from that, in terms of their reporting, um, it is getting better. The, their modeling is getting better, and I'm seeing my results improve. I know that they're taking this very seriously, so um, I would hope that things continue to improve here. So I'm I'm optimistic. I think I'm that gonna, yeah, I'm go ahead. Classify that as uh, cautiously optimistic. Okay. Yep. <laughs> You're like, well, you know, Facebook's improving. And so I feel pretty good. We're already hedging our bet there. Yeah. I think that one of the, you know, what? One of the danger areas for us is just making decisions because we're not sure if things are working well or not. That's where that whole reporting, you know, stuff can come into play and it it's, could be a pitfall for us. So I think it's important to kind of triangulate your data and and think about if it doesn't, it's not going to look like things are working right away like it did in previous years. So we have to keep that in account uh, and sort of go through that process to slow us down that OODA loop. So delayed delayed reporting through Facebook, you think is the is the danger to my decision making? Exactly to people that are running the ad accounts it's it is dangerous you make decisions based off of you know what uh, what we see happen time and time again right now is uh, you have an ad it doesn't make any sales you wait for a handful of days you turn it off and the next day there's all kinds of sales attributed to it and there was all these delayed sales so you turned off a perfectly good ad you don't want to do that during black friday and make one of those decisions 
Yeah, no, you don't. It's the, I think the the risk and the fear is those knee jerk reactions. Right. Uh, well, you've got a free guide for us that looks good. Where can I get it? If you just go to producedept.co slash q4 um that's where where it'll be and i'll have a lot of the, the things that we discussed links to different resources and the audiences that i'll be targeting a lot of the notes from from this uh episode today cool uh yeah we'll we'll grab those and there's lots of stuff i stuck at the show notes uh from our discussion like how to promote a discount using a shareable link uh facebook's google analytics url utm builder uh your uh, free guide uh, we got all that stuff in the show notes. So uh, tap or swipe up on the episode art on your podcast app, and usually that'll get you to the show notes and just scroll down. You'll find it. Uh, Mr. Bullock, where can we go to learn more about you? You can find me on Twitter at Kurt Bullock uh, or at my website, producedept.co or just produce-department.com. Beautiful. This has been enlightening. I'm educated, and I feel a lot more confident in Facebook ads, you know, talking about them and the approach having gone through this with you. Right on. Thanks for having me on the show. My pleasure. When people ask in my Facebook group what theme they should use, I always see people recommend Flex. Why? Because it's the Swiss Army knife of Shopify themes. It comes with everything you need right out of the sandbox. Flex is truly one of the most flexible themes in the market. It's got customizable CSS within the theme editor to give you more creative control without breaking your theme's code. And it comes packed with 10 mega menu navs with six columns each. Whew, that's a lot of stuff. And to make it even sweeter, Out of the Sandbox has been in the e-com game for over a decade, providing some of the best customer experience in the industry. Head over to outofthesandbox.com unofficial to get started on your dream store today. The link's in the show notes. And don't forget to use the discount code KURT20, that's K-U-R-T-2-0, for 20% off your theme purchase. And with their 14-day money-back guarantee, you've got nothing to lose. If you'd like to help us spread the joy of entrepreneurship, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. If you're listening on a smartphone, tap or swipe up over the cover art of this podcast. You'll find some episode notes, including links to sites we discussed, and maybe some details you missed. You'll also find offers from our sponsors. So please support our show by supporting them. And thank you. The unofficial Shopify podcast was recorded and hosted by me, Kurt Elster, produced by my business partner, Paul Rita, for our Shopify partner agency, EtherCycle. Check us out at ethercycle.com. Thanks for listening.